Welcome to Europarama, the border-breaking podcast about science fiction and the future of Europe, brought to you by Are We Europe. I'm Giuseppe Porcaro. I'm Alberto Cottica. I'm Hugo Askerson. And for this season, Europarama joins forces with Edge Riders and their science fiction economics lab as they had an incredible idea. Instead of writing academic papers, they decided to channel out-of-the-box economic thinking around building the fictional world of witness. In each episode, we explore a part of this universe as it's being created, and you will learn more about how you can also contribute to its making as this is an open-source world that everyone can use. Witness is a fictional city floating in a post-climate change planet Earth where people are organized by districts each experimenting a different social contract and a different economic model, but all of them connected by being constrained in that floating space. Today, with Alberto and Hugi, we will travel to the Avant Grid. Hugi is one of the co-directors of Edge Riders, director of Bleivande, which is a participatory culture hub in Stockholm. So the avant-garde is somewhat an anomaly within Witness comparing to the audit district. Maybe you can explain us why exactly this is the case and what exactly it looks like if we are going to travel over there. The avant-garde looks very different, first of all, whereas the other district of witness are essentially floating cities. Avantgrid is a collection of islands. It's islands that look natural, but are in fact artificial. So you can imagine that sort of on the outskirts of the great floating city of witness, you all of a sudden have these forest covered, shrub covered, rocky, muddy islands that stretch out towards the horizon. And the history of Avantgrid comes from that, of course, Libria, which is the libertarian district, the sort of cyberpunk, hyper capitalist district that's a bit like William Gibson's Neuromancer sort of a world. In this world, there was an idea of having this sort of resort islands out in the water, just like they're doing now in the United Arab Emirates outside of Dubai and so forth. They started building this artificial archipelago. And the idea was that this was supposed to be a resort world for the ultra rich, that they could buy an island or buy a resort on an island. But without going into detail exactly about what happened, it's all on the wiki. This project completely collapsed for a few reasons. There was a massive hurricane that came in and swept away all of the electrical gridding that they'd set up. And then there was a big political dispute, a short civil war over control of these islands. And the state machine decided to cut Avant Grid out of Libria and make it into its own district based on the increasing will of the people that had relocated there within the period of civil strife. And the people who came to Avant Grid were people who were a little bit, you could almost say, too libertarian for Libria. They moved to Libria to gain freedom from the sort of socialist state machine control in Hugge. But what they found was that when they got to Libria, they were instead controlled by corporations, which is sort of the paradox you have in this idea of the cyberpunk world. They see this new opportunity of going to a world that is actually cut off from the electrical grid. So it's not connected to the harvest grid like the rest of Witness. And it's also not under as strict a control of the state machine. So they had the chance there to go out there and really live a sort of existence that's similar to a survivalist that you could have somewhere in the United States who goes 
up into the mountain ranges somewhere to really get away from the system, quote unquote, and live in a very different way. But this comes with trade-offs because you don't have access to the same sort of infrastructure, electricity or stability or all of those things. But that's what the people there want. And the culture of Avant Grid has built up around this. And we've borrowed a concept from Switzerland, which is called cantons. All of these islands are essentially self-governing little cantons with very much their own rules and their own culture. So basically, it's a sort of mix between, at least visually, Venice. Outside Venice, you know, at some point after you have the different islets and so on, at some point you have these kind of islands of peaceful nature growing after all the mess that you might find in San Marco Square and so on. So that's the first impression that I get when you, you speak to me about a place which is a bit outside, small islet and so on. But then also when you speak about the self-governing kind of system, It seems to me just a bunch of people that wanted to go there, a little bit like Christiania or something like this. Like they just want to go there and have their libertarian dream comes true and pretty much doing their own thing. After these moments of conflicts, sounds like pretty boring place from a storytelling perspective. They are living the dream that they achieved and that's it. What are the political and economic challenges of that place? Is it like a paradise or something that is a bit more complicated than we can see on the surface? I would imagine Avant Grid being quite a conflicted place rather than a paradise. If you basically set up a place where you attract all of the weirdos who don't want to live in all of the other communal societies, they want to sort of govern themselves and then you put them on these different islands, I think that you're going to end up in something that's not boring, but it's going to be a bit slow. And the slowness of it, I think, mainly comes from the lack of technological advancement. Technology in Avant Grid is multiple generations behind what it is in other places. From a storytelling perspective, there's another interesting little gimmick about Avant Grid, which is that it's nature compared to a cityscape. We included a little interesting element there, which is that when the libertarian mega corporations were planning these as resorts, they of course wanted the rich people to be able to hunt something. So they bioengineered all these weird animals that populate these islands. So Avant Grid is also, I think, if you set a story in witness, the place in which you can go to have some really weird adventures. I could imagine Avant Grid being a place where you'd have almost like a sort of a survivalist story of having to fight off monsters and that sort of thing. So some sort of safari kind of place or like a hunting reserve. And also I think a place that because of its cut off from the harvest grid and the population that wants to keep its privacy, you probably have islands there that are not very well mapped. It's probably the only place in witness where you can find yourself of not really knowing where you are or how to get off of the island. And so I think it offers that. Perhaps more for uh, Alberto, the whole construction of witness as an idea is that you have those different districts and we've been coming back to this in more or less in every episode. And all these districts, somehow they have their own peculiarity, they have their own system. But also there is this thing that, they all share something. There is, they're not isolated completely. And it's a pretty much a characteristic of every district of witness, which somehow 
from what we heard so far, it almost defies the rules of the avant-grid. It almost seems that the avant-grid really managed to set itself apart from the rest of witness, both in terms of energy, it seems, but also in terms of food supply or whatever else. So I wonder how the interaction between the avant-grid and the rest of witness is happening and if you have delved into that question at all. Let's take a step back. So the reason why these districts are there from an economist perspective is that they give us a sort of mental model to think about how different economic systems that live in different districts would play out in reality. How would it feel like to, to live in one of these. So now the avant-grid is embodying a couple of pretty important cutting-edge economic ideas that are moving out there. The main one is the idea of autonomy, of local self-containedness. This is not a popular idea in economics, has not been since the 18th century. But then when the 2008 financial crisis erupted, suddenly people started to say, huh, maybe it wouldn't be so bad if this city or this region or this mountain community would have a way to stay up if the larger scale infrastructure around us collapsed. In our group, this thing was called resilience. So how do you become resilient to this kind of exogenous shock? So you can imagine that the avant-grade is a place in witness where people who care deeply about that stuff go to live to do their thing. Like you say, this is their thing. This is something they are not completely sure that witness as a whole will be viable long-term. And they try to make a community that will be able to survive even the collapse of a greater witness economy and infrastructure manufacturing capacity. The second idea, which is perhaps more famous outside the sage riders circles in the real world, is the idea of degrowth. Big debate out there. Some people are saying, ah, you know, maybe we don't need all the stuff. This is not a new idea. Keynes was saying it in 1930, I believe, in the famous article in which he declared the warm want one. We already have a technology, we already have a manufacturing base, we can provide for everybody. Now we have other problems. The people in avant-grid are the people in witness that want to develop this model. In terms of a relationship with the other district of witness in world, as for all witness districts, you need to imagine the kind of interaction that will not destroy your model. And if you look at the entry of the avant-grid on the wiki, which consists of main wiki entry and, and the discussion thread, you see a lot of discussion on this. Wait, how is this going to work? How do we imagine that people in the avant-grid would refuse connectivity, which is pretty easy in witness because this is basically provided by, we can imagine something like in walk away. So by corridor with a fleet of solar powered drones who basically make mesh networks as they go. So you 3D print them, you you hook them up, they fly until they break down, then you make another one, it's mostly going to be okay. Again, we can find ways to narrativize this because the whole point is to be self-sustaining. So it's okay that you have your own local network. You may even have like a little tendril te towards the global witness-wide network, but you're not really going to go out of your way to make that. You're not going to adapt standards that are working in witness because if you do that and you don't have local production capacity, if that goes down, you are down too. You see? The other thing is the assembly. Because the assembly too started out from a supply crisis, supply shock, when they got disconnected from the grid. 
energy again, and then they had to learn to make their own grid. And that, in the case of the assembly, it took the shape of institution building. So they managed to develop institutions that could persuade people to not only make their own little solar panel or what, also connect it to a neighborhood grid. And then they would have a way to regulate this, that people kind of trusted. So the assembly went down the communitarian socialism, if you like, whereas the avant-grid is libertarian, like who you was saying. But the technology is not that different. So maybe these two districts have been talking to each other. Does the migrant train passes by the avant-grid or not? The migrant train passes to Accor. Because Accor is the, the capital, you could say, of Avantgrid. It's the only urban settlement there. Avantgrid as a whole does have some ideology that combines it. And it is what Alberto was saying, these ideas about degrowth and resilience. And the citizens of Avantgrid, many of them are quite religious. That's a subplot within the story of Avantgrid, that many of them that came there combined the sort of religious idea of that we must take better care of our resources with this ritualistic idea of that we do that by very closely monitoring our energy expenditure. They were not happy with the covenant, these people. In the story, actually, it's a priest from the covenant who, who escapes from the covenant after having become blasphemous, uh, saying essentially that infinity does not exist. That was his blasphemy because God is infinite. And he said that, in fact, infinity is a sham. It doesn't exist at all. And he rephrased his entire theology around that everything is finite and we are responsible to realize that as living beings. And around this other religion forms, and really the idea here is to very closely track your energy consumption. Of course, the people of Avantgrid want other people to get out of the energy consumption of the other witness districts and come live more frugally in Avantgrid, because then that ideology is furthered the long-term viability of humankind. The problem is, though, that there aren't a lot of people who are up for moving to Avantgrid for obvious reasons. It's not a very comfortable life. It's a little bit equivalent to saying that you're going to become Amish. It's a very different lifestyle. So yes, you can go there, but not many people do. And you were obviously inspired. I mean, you mentioned just the Amish. Comes to my mind, other communities that decide to live in very remote places from the woods in Canada or like in Patagonia. That's something romantic. I mean, must be like people very motivated to live there as well. It's not someone that shouldn't have big drive for doing this. So So somehow it almost looks a place for not just radicals, but fanatics. Absolutely. In a way, I think something that probably subconsciously influenced me in coming up with the idea of Avantgrid is I'm Icelandic. At some point, late first millennia of our time, people from Scandinavia took it upon themselves to sit down in their boats and go all the way across to this uninhabited volcanic rock in the middle of the Atlantic. They did that for reasons that are not completely dissimilar to those of Avantgrid in that they were essentially escaping from what they felt was a, a regime that was totalitarian and they wanted to go be the masters of their own destiny, so to speak. So they went to Iceland and many of them really were political refugees. There are similarities in this also in that Iceland as a culture has always been very governed by this sort of individualism a lot more than the other Scandinavian countries up until this day. People don't really like to be told what to do. And much like Avantgrid, Iceland became very religious. 
more religious than perhaps any of the other Scandinavian countries and remains a little bit more religious even to this day. You have some motives which are social. Then in this harsh environment, those motives that at the beginning were a social motive to move over there, but then with the environment that you have, you need to comply to a certain living because the environment, I might say, when I was traveling around Iceland, I also had the same feeling, even though I'm not very knowledgeable of the history of the place, but I had the feeling that just by being able to live in this kind of place and have communities over there, they need to be resilient already just because of the climate and because of how you need to organize yourself in order to survive in these kind of places. So I suppose that there was also this motive in the, in the geographical configuration of the place? Yes, absolutely. And I see this in Icelanders. I was last week on vacation up in far northern Sweden in Lapland, another very harsh place to live in. And I think that a common theme among people who live in these places is that they don't want to quote unquote civilize them. They don't want to undo the wildness of these places. And perhaps there is something similar there in the drive of the people in Avant Grid. Yes, they could have connectivity. Yes, it would make their lives more comfortable, but perhaps they refuse it for some similar reason. I can imagine in Alberto's head, the homo economicus is starting to unwind. But what do you think, Alberto? Do you think it's a likely thing that it would unravel like that? I think so. It all comes down to a distribution. I mean, maybe imagining that half of the population of Sweden would move to Lapland is probably far-fetched, but there would be a minority of people that kind of treasures that and a much larger minority that doesn't want to live there but wants to be there and occasionally visit, that is reasonable. In a dynamic perspective, we should have a space for experimentation. We should have it in real economies and we should have it on witness. It doesn't make sense that you would just kind of, okay, sit down, design it, and then it's done. Then it, you don't have to touch it anymore. This is just never going to be the case. A bohemia, a functioning bohemia, is a place where we have dreamers and the malcontents and the crazies, uh, they can, can all get together and tinker. That's an important place to have in a real economy. In fact, there would be one of the policy recommendations to real world policymakers. Make a space where people can get together and try new things. Worst case scenario, they fail and the failure is theirs. But if they succeed, the success is everybody's. Which to a certain extent in the past, as it was just mentioned about Iceland, but it can be said about many other places, people have been doing that. In the history of mankind, they were just living and then settling somewhere and experimenting and, and see what happened and what is the outcome of this. So it's in the human nature, as you say. I love all the references because we really spam from Arab Emirates to walk away of Cory Doctorow to the Icelandic tribes to the Hamish. I mean, it's, it's really rich as a word. Well, you mentioned that this was supposed to be the holiday place for the Librians. What happened to that? I suppose that it's still quite an exotic place, especially how it developed. Are there tourists over there or is it really so harsh and so dangerous that only the people that wants to venture there and go there? There must be some sort of tourism. And I imagine that it is probably a popular adventure destination for people from Libria, which is the district next door. However, I also imagine that what little governance there is in a core of a Grid is probably 
really trying to strike a balance between getting these Librians there and also avoiding that they just turn it into another energy consuming capitalist enterprise. So I can imagine there being something where there is a trade-off, a little bit like if you travel to Bhutan today, you bring a certain amount of money with you that has to go into their economy and cannot come out with you. You must stay in certain specific hotels and you must offset your carbon emissions and like a lot of that sort of stuff. And I would imagine there being something similar if you want to be a tourist in Avant Grid. Perhaps you need to jump through quite a lot of hoops that further the Avant Grid agenda. But I can imagine that if you want to relocate to Avant Grid, that perhaps you cannot bring all of the technology with you and, and, and set up because that would obviously very quickly unravel. So there are probably some sort of checks and balances. But of course, that just makes it more attractive and exotic for those who manage to jump through the hoops. I suppose there is no central institution because that would defy the whole idea of the place. Is there any sort of loose networking coordination? Is there anything else that brings these people together within the avant grid or is really like very autonomous communities of people and they don't have anything that they share? What brings them together and what most of them share is the religion, especially the religion which very based around the concept of infinity not existing and a very frugal way of living because of that. So that's one thing that brings them together. No common institutions. Yes, there is. So the common institutions are the institutions in a core. So in a core, you have some universities, you have some governance, you also have a division that produces, in fact, new islands with new geoengineering. And they do that with the idea that if people can live on these islands, it is in fact saving energy in the long run, apart from having them live in the cities. There is that, but out on the cantons, out on the islands, they are not governed by a core. But you can say that a core sort of safeguards that they are also not meddled with by the outside. What One thing that does bind Avant Grid together in a way is the Institute of Ethnography that exists in a core. Because Avant Grid has over the years become quite a hotspot for ethnographical research. Why? Because it's a very interesting place in which to do ethnography because it's so varied and it's so unknown. So you can go out and encounter ways of living that you were not aware of existed. In so doing, the ethnographers of a core, they travel between all the different islands and they are sort of the culture bearers that keep together a little bit of cohesion in this island world. So ethnography plays a very, very important part in Avant Grid. And I expect a completely separate episode on ethnography at some point, or at least an episode that features it heavily because it's an important part of, of witness. Well, that's super exciting. Alberto, do you want to say a few last words before we conclude this exploration of the avant-grid. I like to use your show, Giuseppe, to invite people in. And in this case, it should be a particularly, let's say, appetizing invitation to the avant-grid because for all the people that have been intrigued over the last 10 years by these ideas of resilience and degrowth and autonomous communities, and some of us have been reading quite some science fiction, you know, the idea of Canton, I'm not sure how intentional this is, but Switzerland and the Swiss feature prominently in Kim Stanley Robinson's Mars trilogy, exactly because Mars is a 
kind of very high Switzerland once uh, terraformed uh, because it's, it's kind of a hard life and their communities are small and far apart. And so the institutions of self-governing and making do are uh, deemed interesting by King Stanley Robinson. So it's an interesting place, avant-grid on witness, to try those ideas out in your head and uh, try to imagine how they would look like in real life, how they feel like. Would you like to live in a degrowth slash resilient society? Maybe yes, maybe no. Myself personally, maybe not so much. I'm more of a big city boy. That's a great, uh, so to speak, platform in which together we can find it out by imagining institutions, imagining landscape, telling stories, etc. As you say, this is something that everyone can participate in. So I would just like to invite and join Alberto to invite all of you to have a look at the Witness Wiki and join the community in this incredible experiment of co-creation. And I would say that this brings us to the end of this episode. And I would like to remind you as well that you will find the link to the membership page of Are We Europe to become part of the most unconventional club out there and help build a new media for a changing continent. Thanks so much, Ui and Alberto. I'm happy to journey through Witness together. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by Are We Europe, a border-breaking media trying to bridge the gaps in European culture and identity. You can become an Are We Europe member and connect with storytellers across the continent starting at 4 euros per month. Just go to areweeurope.com slash member and help Are We Europe build a new media for a changing continent.